When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rand with Randy and Declan. On Purple Daily and Score North. All realistic Randy rants. We had to make you wait just a little bit, Randy, because free agency opened and boy, oh boy, it always delivers. I feel like, and Randy, I think we've talked about this before uh, mm. in season or off the mic or whatnot, but the NFL offseason has just completely jumped the shark. Like it was always, you know, this date, th- these dates were always somewhat relevant, but in the last like three to five years, I feel like tampering. And when the free agency window opens, it just goes bananas. There's literally no break, it feels like. The Super Bowl was six weeks ago. And usually that lull was always like a super long break. And now all of a sudden that feels like forever ago. And the Vikings have been making moves. It's been a crazy last, like, honestly, seven days, if you if you, uh, you really take in the fact the cuts that were made from the Vikings. Right. Uh, so a lot has happened and a lot to get to. Um, let's start, though, with Byron Murphy Jr. Can we start there? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I feel like that's kind of been the marquee free agent signing of them, if you will. So, we'll, we'll, by the way, we'll, we'll get into all this. We'll get into the signings. We'll get into the cuts. We'll get into the kind of the shape of the Vikings roster. And, you know, we are recording this at 12 p.m. Central on March 15th, so the deadline hasn't come yet. So news might be trickling out by the time you consume this podcast. that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but let's talk about everything that has happened. So Byron Murphy Jr., I even saw some of the contract deals go down. Uh, realistic, Randy, a very favorable deal for the Vikings, just a two-year deal. Um, he's not paid a lot. This is a make good contract. Brian Flores kind of gets his guy in here and his guy that can, you know, he can kind of mold and become the next big guy. Uh, what did you think of the Byron Murphy signing with the Minnesota Vikings? Well, it's great value for Minnesota. I love this move. You're talking about a guy that embraces the challenge of facing the opposing number one receivers versatile. So he can play both outside and in the slot. And I feel like when it comes to cornerbacks, it's either I play my side, especially with outside cornerbacks. And sometimes it can get even more restrictive than that. So Richard Sherman, for example, in his heyday with the Legion of Boom, I play my side only. Right. Not even left or right side. I play my side. So whoever is across from me on that given down, so be it. But to play outside and inside corner is so rare. I feel like just off the top of my head, outside of Byron Murphy, I can think of two other guys. I'm sure there's other players out there, but Jalen Ramsey and before that, Aqib Tlaib. Yeah. That is so rare to find. And it gives you so many different look options, especially with the combinations of Andrew Booth Jr. 
and a Caleb Evans, assuming that they progress depending on the matchups faced. And I tell you what, Declan Goff, with the Jordan Hicks restructure, with the signing of Marcus Davenport and the addition of Byron Murphy, depending on what happens with Hitman, you're damn near set at the second and third level. So now you can focus all your energy on the defensive line because Byron Murphy last year, if we're being fair, had a bit of a down year, not so hot, played in just nine games before getting hurt, but still gave up four touchdowns, zero interceptions. To do that in nine games, that's rough. Now, the yeah, but to that is, and I'm not saying this is the sole reason why, but I'm sure it had a hell of a lot to do with it. The yeah, but to that is Arizona as a defense, they couldn't get after the quarterback, 24th in sacks. The year before that, where Murphy was great, coincidentally, Arizona, 14th in sacks. So as long as you figure out the defensive line and generate a consistent pass rush, this is going to be a success. This is, to me, a game-changing move, someone that's going to help out your two second-year corners. It's a great deal for the Minnesota Vikings. I love it. Yeah, I like it, too. It, it doesn't, you're not overpaying for them, either, which I also love. So, And, and again, we'll get, kind of get into the long-term philosophy here of what they've been doing in free agency, where they're not committing long-term dollars and not giving out big-time contracts. Now, very limited uh, ca- cash flow to playlist, so that also went into factor of it. But staying on the cornerback kind of room and, and defensive backs for now, how do you feel, though, about Byron Murphy basically being quarterback one and then behind him? I mean, it's just kind of it's a Caleb Evans. It's Andrew Booth. It's inexperienced. Does that concern you at all, knowing that Byron Murphy is 25 years old and then everyone else is either going to be a second year player who barely saw the field or even potentially a rookie? Does that concern you at all that the Vikings, even though they don't have any older cornerbacks, they have a lot of inexperienced cornerbacks? I would like the Vikings to at least make an offer to Duke Shelley at least because he showed last year, okay, he can fit with this defense. Now you have to, uh, or we have to understand that all these moves that they're making on defense, it has to be based off the blessing of Brian Flores. So whether he views Duke Shelley as a player that can fit in his system or not, that's a whole different story. Overall, I'm not really that concerned. I would say after quarterback, corner is the hardest position to play. It's going to take some time to figure it out at the professional level. And these are a Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. These are two second-year corners. I would say bring in Duke Shelley so that way you can rotate that second outside corner between Booth and Evans. But even if you, worst-case scenario, have to have Booth and Evans as your two outside corners. Not so hot, but I understand it if you have to go that route. I'm not really that concerned. You drafted these guys last year. Give them some time to develop. Don't punt on their success right away. I'm all right with it. If you have to start both of them, so be it. Yeah, I I like the idea of potentially re-signing Duke Shelley as just basically a depth guy. You know, he, he played very, very well. Uh, when called upon last season, and I, I think it's worth bringing him back. Now, if he's, because he had that great little end-of-the-season run, if he's, like, asking for a lot of money for whatever reason, well, see you later. Like, I'm not not going to play ball if he had too much there. He'd be a nice guy to bring back for the system. But I think Flores really likes, another thing that I think really stands out, obviously, about Murphy is Flores loves to also blitz corners. Like, he has, likes to take his corners, he likes to blitz them, right? He likes to kind of get exotic with all these different blitzes. It's not just a defensive lineman or a linebacker, he's going to blitz someone with a safety, blitz someone with a cornerback, and Murphy has experience doing that as well. So 
I kind of just feel like Brian Flores probably had a lot of influence on this was probably the first prototypical cornerback that he wanted to go after. He can play up close for sure. He can definitely rush the passer. And you know what? Even if Duke Shelley is asking for a lot of money, no one's going to give it to him. Right. So if you have to wait it out, if that's the holdup there, go ahead and wait it out. Duke Shelley will be back with the Vikings in no time. But I, I would like to, I feel like best case scenario, have some sort of veteran presence as an outside corner. Now, maybe that could be Byron Murphy because he can play both outside and inside. But then in those situations, who's going to be the nickel corner? I would like to see best case scenario, one sort of veteran presence as the certified outside corner. And for the second outside spot, you can rotate between Booth and Evans. So, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get into a couple targets that the Vikings could also get into maybe towards the end of this episode. But I'm just going to say this, realistic, Randy, and I don't mean to set you off, but I know what I'm doing here when I say it. Does this mean you will not be, the Vikings should not be drafting a cornerback in the first round of the draft now that you got Murphy Jr.? Whether they edit Byron Murphy <laughs> Jr. or not, no. You don't need to go corner in the first round because yeah. it doesn't matter until you establish the trenches. None of it matters. So, no. Don't do it. And even after this move, still don't do it. Right. Yeah, I figured that'd be your answer, but I was uh, just curious if it was going to set you off again like it did last week because we've just been doing so many of these mock drafts and we keep seeing cornerback, 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 and I wanted to see uh, how you're reacting about I blame, that. I blame myself for getting so worked up over it. In fact, I feel like when it comes to doing these mock drafts, when it's not a corner, it's a pleasant surprise. But I have low expectations because it's going to be a corner for the most part, nine out of ten times, I would say. Let's uh let, let's stay on the, the defensive free agent ad so far. Marcus Davenport, so uh, an edge rusher here from the Saints, kind of a situational pass rusher that's been deployed at, at very interesting times with New Orleans, has battled a lot of injuries, um, has had great pressure rates. Last year couldn't find the quarterback a lot, but in 2021 had nine sacks. Uh, Marcus Davenport, your thoughts on the Vikings bringing him in to kind of pair to Neil Hunter and also in Brian Flores' defense? If Brian Flores signs off on it, I'm okay with it. I think on the surface, I'm looking at him and I'm just saying, really, you want to bring him in? But on one hand, it takes a position of need off the big board for the draft. So you don't necessarily have to go edge rusher in the first round unless you're going best player available. But it, for the most part, takes a need off of the big board for the draft. He has shown that he can be a game wrecker in the backfield. Last year had half a sack. I'm sorry, I don't, I just don't care about the analytics, all right, the pressure rate and all this stuff. You have to be able to really put the quarterback onto the ground. If you have half a sack last year, what the hell is happening? But Brian Flores, he signed off on it. And Zedaria Smith seems like he doesn't want to be here. So you got to bring somebody in. I'm okay with it. And it's just a one-year deal. If it doesn't work out, wash your hands of it and be done. So... I know we could, again, not be burned by this as uh, as we record this a little earlier, but does this kind of have the writing on the wall that if you're bringing in Davenport, that Zedaria Smith is, is obviously going to be gone here? Absolutely. And you know what? Maybe he just doesn't like his contract, and that's understandable. But, Dex, to go on Twitter and do this whole hoopla of, well, thank you so much, Minnesota, for everything, basically implying that you're gone, if you're doing that as a tactic, to get a better contract. There are just better ways to do it. To go that far, and I'm sorry, I get that they're professionals, but they're still human beings. You can't come back from that and say, all right, guys, I'm back. Are you kidding me? He wants to be gone. Let him go. And it seems like we're recording this right now for my time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
if it were me, Z would have been gone last weekend. Yeah. But all right, it seems like the Vikings are just running down the game clock until 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Worst case scenario, he's either going to be cut or traded. But then with the addition of Marcus Davenport, I mean, my goodness, unless you're putting him on the defensive line, Davenport, which I don't think would make sense for his skill set in a 3-4 base defense, Zadari Smith is gone. I, I think he was gone before Marcus Davenport agreeing to join the Vikings. He He, he has to go. Yeah, and the fact he had that weird situation last week where he like basically said goodbye to everyone on Twitter and yeah. and and I don't know if they basically were going to tell him, "Hey, like we're trying to work out a trade for you." And that then nukes your trade value. So like I don't know what Z was kind of thinking there. Um he he sold his house here in the Twin Cities like right away, so he was already kind of planning to get the heck out. Um now, look, I don't think and I'm not pro restructuring Zedarius Smith, by the way. I want that on the record. If there is some, if there is some way that you could have Daniel Zadarius, Mark, uh, Marcus Davenport, well, now all of a sudden I feel a lot good. Of, I feel a lot better. Excuse me about that pass rush, but I just don't know how financially it's going to work. I think Flores, on paper and on the surface, if the cap was indeed fake, that he would love to have all three of those guys on the roster. But I, I just don't see a path where Zadarius Smith is still on the team now that you brought in Davenport. You're not paying Marcus Davenport up to $13 million. And I understand that I haven't seen the cap hits yet on that deal, but assuming that it's a favorable contract and it's heavily incentivized still, you're not paying this man up to $13 million to also have Zadari Smith in the way that he's been acting. I think this is going to be your starting outside linebacker opposite of Daniel Hunter and Zadari Smith. And you know what? Maybe it will work out in his favor. It probably to get cut is a better situation for him because then he can choose where he goes opposed to getting traded to, let's say, the Houston Texans. Maybe he wants to win a ring, so it works out for him. But I just feel like say that you just don't like your contract and maybe he just wants to leave Minnesota. That's also a possibility as well. But say that he doesn't like his contract. There are better ways to do it internally instead of bringing the public's attention to it. I just don't think it's... I don't see Z being on the team next year. I just don't. All right, I'm going to stick on the defense here, Realist Granny, because you and I did a cap exercise last week, and we said, Jordan Hicks, right? Easy cut. Like, oh, yeah, easy, easy cut, mm-hmm. easy cut. Well, now he's restructured, and, and we'll get, I'll get your thoughts on Kendricks being released too, but your, your just kind of initial reaction when I figured out that, oh, actually, Jordan Hicks is going to stay here. He's going to get his contract reworked. I don't think we've seen that detail out too, so what it ends up going down to. I know his cap hit was like 6.5. He had a base salary of 4.5. That This is where cap gymnastics comes into play, and thank God I don't do that all the time. Uh, but your thoughts on Jordan Hicks also sticking put with the Vikings? It's a guy that easily, I would say, should have been cut, but trying to understand it from the standpoint of the Vikings front office, if it's between Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks, Eric Kendricks I don't think would have stayed for as cheap as presumably Jordan Hicks is going to stay for. So you take the cheaper player because right now the latest version of Kendricks that we saw and Jordan Hicks, is there really that much of a difference? I would say no. And getting back to the big point, there were so many holes in this defense before the off season started and even projecting players that are going to be gone. That I think Quasi Adolfo Mensa is he's putting the Vikings in a situation to where he's saying, all right, I'm going to take a trial run here. Maybe we can hold off on all these positional needs that we have to address to basically address all that we can in the draft and maybe in free agency, for example. 
And worst case, inside linebacker, we can go after it in next year's draft. So that way, and my goodness, we talked about this last week. It might be impossible to address 10 new starting positions in one offseason. It just might be. So in that case, you might have to bite the bullet with some positions in-house to say, all right, we'll deal with you for another year, especially if it's going to be cheap. And then we'll address some positions. And next year, we'll address what we didn't address the year before. So it doesn't really sway me either way. Jordan Hicks, come on down. And also, I feel like as much as that was an easy cut to make and you and I did the same type of thing with Kendricks, Flores probably does want some type of veteran guy there, right? Like he wants probably someone who has been around the block a little bit. And you can't just yes. have completely three new players at a position, or even four, I guess, if you're running the obviously 4-3, that it, it, it makes things a lot more difficult. So having Jordan Hicks around, too, I'm sure, Flores wanted him to be here. Uh, he was really good against the run. He, he was miserable against the pass. Terrible in, in pass coverage. But he was able to stuff the lane. He was able to do a lot more stuff um, with stopping the run, which is something the Vikings weren't good at in previous seasons. So, I, I mean, I, I was a little surprised he wasn't a, a cut. But I guess if Flores wants him around, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not going to com- be completely upset by, by him sticking around with the Vikings in 2023. Well, look at what the Vikings are looking at when it comes to this upcoming draft. On defense, starting positions, defensive line. That's all you have to worry about. On offense, the interior offensive line and wide receiver too. I mean, especially with having five picks slated. Goodness, they got the compensatory pick of... 211 when it was projected at 177. That's a huge drop off. But either way, they have five picks in this upcoming draft. I think just eliminating as many spots as possible before the draft, and you can still trade down in the first round, hopefully obtain a first round pick while getting a second. It just it it's making things so much easier for the Vikings in this upcoming draft. And free agency still isn't over with. Yeah. They can still add another player or two, which would be great. So let's go to the offensive side of the ball. So the Vikings, their first, uh, if you will, splash offensively was Josh Oliver. And you and I were texting uh, going into this um, uh, before this episode started that you weren't a huge fan of this. And I think a lot of Vikings fans were just a little confused of, all right, that's the first move you're going to make. You're going to throw $10 million at least guaranteed um, to a tight end that's basically a blocking tight end. He's he's not not a TJ Hawkinson, right? He's not a pass threat. And I know he had actually a pretty good college career as being a, a, a you know, weapon in the offensive game. But he's a, he's a blocking guy. And I think they obviously want an upgrade from Johnny Munt. Now they're paying for it to a degree, and, and he's a damn good run blocker. He can help, you know, clear those lanes and make life a lot easier. Uh, but I'm guessing you were not a big fan of the Josh Oliver signing with the Vikings. So I'll, I'll, let me clarify that. I have nothing against Josh Oliver. I just feel like for this team – having an elite blocking tight end is more of a luxury than a necessity because, all right, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Okay, he's going to be outside of the offensive tackle, which means you have to get to the edge. Yeah. Well, last time I checked, the interior offensive line is a disaster. If we're going to really notice the value that we're getting in return for this guy, you need to consistently be blessed enough to get to the edge. Because if the defensive tackles are cutting and getting into the backfield, well, okay, it's a tackle for loss or it's no gain. But, well, you know what? Josh Oliver had a hell of a block right there. I just feel like you need to address the interior offensive line first and foremost. Because 
Isaac Sayamalu is still out there, the right guard from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's still out there. And did you really need – you really mean to tell me that Josh Oliver still wouldn't be available two weeks from now? I feel like you could have got, gotten him later on. For this to be your first free agent signing, again, I have nothing against him, but it's just in terms of power ranking where we need to go, all right, you have a blocking tight end, but the interior offensive line still needs a lot of work. Yeah, and I think that's a little confusing. And, you know, Ezra Cleveland's fine. Uh, obviously, Ed Ingram was was rough in his rookie season. We brought They brought back Garrett Bradbury, which we'll get your thoughts mm-hmm. in here in just a little bit. But, you know, I, I think the Vikings, too, and even though they went really, really pass-heavy last season, you know, they did not rush the ball effectively, and they did not rush the ball a lot. I think they were 28th right. in team rushing attempts. And, look, I know we're all sick of establishing the run and doing all that, but KOC's definitely, I think, going to learn from the lesson of, okay, we can still pass a lot. We can be effective passing, but I can't have splits of, I think, third in pass attempts and 28th in rushing attempts. Is there a happy medium that makes my rushing attack a lot uh, a lot easier? And probably having a guy that can block a little bit, and I think that's mostly going to be for Dalvin Cook. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, have, I don't know what your thoughts on them moving on from Dalvin Cook, but I feel like if it would have happened, probably would have happened already, right? Quasi Adolfo Mensa seems like an extremely patient guy. True. And with Dalvin Cook having a $14 million cap hit, I just don't understand why you would keep him at that rate. Run it with Ty Chandler, Kane, and Wangu. Either draft someone in the later rounds or get sign an undrafted free agent as your RB3, and I think you're fine. If you cut him, you save $6 million in cap. If you're going to make any other sort of type of significant moves, Dalvin Cook has to be gone. Now, if you can trade him, even better, but sure, if we want to balance it out here and have more rushing attempts, that's all well and good. But the interior offensive line, you said that Ezra Cleveland, he's fine. I don't know if he's necessarily that because in run blocking, sure, if he has a full head of steam and he's working out in space, zone blocking, and then he can attack his man from three or four yards out, get his speed up, sure. But in terms of Pass protection, especially if you're not running the ball that much, pass protection is more valuable for this team. Ezra Cleveland is just not it. Ed Ingram. So I'm going to assume that if it were me, I would have cut the guy. But I can understand from the standpoint of Quazy where he had his first year. It was bad. Let's give him another year before we cut bait. Then you have Garrett Bradbury, who his first three years was terrible. He had a decent year last year. And from what I've seen, the cap hits are very favorable for the Vikings. But it seems like that they're going to run it back with Garrett Bradbury. They're banking on the fact that the decent, okay year that he had last year is going to be the norm. If you go to a restaurant three times and it's terrible, and then you go again for a fourth time and say, hey, it was actually kind of solid. I would say shame on you for going more than twice. Right. But then if you go again and say, maybe it's going to be better, that's on you at that point, far beyond that point. If you, but what I will, what I'm willing to say, I am willing to concede, even despite Bradbury coming back, I'm willing to concede that if you can just get one good guard to play alongside Bradbury, maybe that can elevate his level of play. I talked about it before. Isaac Sayamalu is still out there. Interior offensive line is a problem. We can talk about, well, we need to run the ball and do all this. But if the middle of the O-line is still getting jacked up, it it doesn't matter. 
and whatever they want to do with the future at their guard positions, whether that's signing someone, whether that's drafting someone, they could do that there. They brought back Garrett Bradbury, so they're they're just banking on him having a step up last year is, is going to be a little bit sustainable here. Um, and I will say that contract's nice. I mean, they didn't overpay for Garrett yes, Bradbury. If they had overpaid for Bradbury and they would have kept him for three to four years, then I would have had more of an issue. I mean, they're basically banking on, hey, dude, yeah, you were good last year for the first time in your, your dang career, so we're not going to overpay for you. This is the best offer you're going to get. You know this system. You know who the quarterback is right now in Kirk Cousins. If you want to bail for more money, go ahead and do so, but this is probably the best offer you're going to get. I like the move of them keeping Garrett Bradbury. On the guard thing, it's really interesting. Um I don't know what they want to do there. I don't know if they're just going to run it back with the same offensive line. I don't know if they can draft someone for 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 competition, um, or they could still sign someone on that interior side because that is it, the offensive line is the weak is a weak link unit, right? You just got to find the one weak link. And Darisaw and obviously O'Neal are solid. Depending that O'Neal comes two back from that Achilles, it's that interior that is an issue. And whether that addressed that in the draft, I just I don't know yet. Well. To your point last week, the Vikings did what you suggested. Chris Reed, I don't know if it was either, I think it was a pay cut. It was either a pay cut or restructure. He's coming back on a lower cap hit. So let's say for the sake of if Ed Ingram does struggle, you have that insurance policy right there. But I'm telling you, man, Ezra Cleveland as a pass protector right next to Garrett Bradbury, who's to say that he doesn't revert back to the guy that we saw his first three years out of NC State. I, I just I, I have big question marks for the interior offensive line. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so let's see here. I think that covers the most of the signings. Outside of Greg Joseph, they brought back my guy, Greg Joseph. Do uh, you want to do a toast? You have some champagne. Right, you know, I got my God. Right I think I got a little bit of you know lukewarm coffee here. So yes, yeah, I would. I got know, a Yeti right here. They, toast uh, yeah, you. they your uh, guy. They were able to keep them. Cotton again, continuity. Okay, they don't keep the same mm-hmm. kickers anymore. So we'll see what happens with Greg the leg. Um, he was really good down the stretch. He had no sure. problems in the playoff game. That, that was not a Greg Leg issue. Uh, so they were able to keep him. Uh, Randy, your thoughts on the cuts that have happened. Um, were you surprised in the Thielen cut that it was a pre-June first cut, not a post-June first cut? What were your thoughts on that? I was. But then if you're thinking about trying to have more immediate cap savings, you want to go ahead and make that pre-June first cut. So I, I see the standpoint of what they wanted to do there. Surprise as they made these cuts, Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, for example. I am a bit surprised just because I'm so used to holding on to players longer than we should. And I want to give credit to Quasi Adolfo Mensa in this standpoint. Now, despite the fact that when it comes to individuals that are purely analytical, that certainly can, I feel like they tend to, they tend to, my goodness, they don't have far too often the human element. So many times they can be too robotic. But they want to know the how behind the what. So, for example, say that we replay the 2022 season all over again. It goes exactly as we just saw, except Rick Spielman is the GM. Rick looks at that season and says, oh, my God, we just won 13 games. Let's run it back bring everybody back, restructure some contracts, and we're going to go after this again because clearly we're contenders. We just need to get over the hump of winning a couple of playoff games. It's going to be great. Quazy, an analytics guy, he looks at that and say, okay, we won 13 games, but how? 
Right. Well, okay. We had 11 one-score wins. The Buffalo game, for example, you needed the greatest catch of all time to extend the drive. And then, goodness, getting Buffalo at the end of regulation at their own goal line, where you were hoping, best case scenario, you would get a safety to then have more time to maybe score and win the game. You somehow managed to get a fumble and a fumble recovery for a touchdown just for the blessing to get into overtime. And then against Indianapolis, down 33 points, you pull off the largest comeback in NFL history. An analytics guy looks at that and says, that's not sustainable. Okay, we we need to, maybe on the defensive side of the ball especially, we need to blow this thing up. So I don't give a damn about guys that have legacies, fan favorites. What's going to be necessary to give this team the best chance to win? And Adam Thielen at, what was it, a $19, $20 million cap hit. Eric Kendricks, he's not as good as he once was. I would say he went to the Chargers. If they run a 3-4 base defense like they did last year, I I just don't know how that's going to work out for him. I would say if he went to a 4-3 set, he could probably have a bounce back year. But for this team, it just doesn't make sense. So I want to give a shout out to him in that regard. It needed to be done. Yeah, I think you just move on from it. You you swallow hard now, and then you don't have to worry about paying him again um, down the road with the post June first thing. And and look, he just he hit a wall. That's what happens with the receivers. And they could still draft one. Um, they could still maybe potentially go after one. Uh, but it was time to move on from Adam Thielen. And when you have Jefferson, and when you have T.J. Hawkinson still there. Um, it makes sense that you don't need Adam Thielen around. KJ Osborne's still solid, so I wish him, yeah, I wish him the best too. And if he still wants to play some football and compete at a high level, good luck to him. Um, Cam Dantzler, Pat P, Dalvin Tomlinson, probably the first one there. How surprised are you that they did just say, you know what, we're we're done with Cam Dantzler? I think that was the one that we all kind of I was shocked. Yeah, that's pretty surprising. That caught me by surprise. They went ahead and released this dude. That's, okay, but at, I didn't. I, I can understand why, because even when he was on the field, not due to injuries or getting benched, he wasn't really making plays consistently anyway. So I understand Patrick Peterson. I wouldn't have brought him back. Dalvin Tomlinson, the money that he got from Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. The Vikings, they were, go- they were never going to match that at the same time. It takes another position of need. Well, not even takes it off. It adds another position on. Because I was thinking, okay, if you can have Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson, that's one defensive lineman that you still need to address as far as a starter anyway. Now you need two. Cam Dantzler, all right, okay. That shot the hell out of me. Patrick Peterson, not so much. Dalvin Tomlinson, when I saw that number, it made a whole lot of sense. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. So with the Kirk Cousins also restructure. So they have yeah. decided that they're going to take that salary, they free it up, they clear $16 million, it helps them get below the cap, but then they're pushing a lot of that money, obviously, uh, into next year. It's, I believe, $28, money, $28 million excuse me, in dead, in dead yep. money if he's indeed not on the team next year, which it's, it's tracking that they want to do that. 
Well, did you did you like that move that they were able to do? Did you like the fact they were just saying, hey, next year we're going to basically pay you not to play for us? We'd rather not extend you. We'd actually rather do the former. We'd rather just put these void years on and then put on some other uh, things in, in, in our salary cap to make sure you're not committing to us long term. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Vikings basically taking a lot of that dead money and pushing it into next season? Before that move, pushing $16 million next year, the Vikings already had $12.5 million dead cap on Kirk Cousins for 2024. And still, despite that, they were projected to have $113 million in cap. The Vikings are in a good spot right now. So even pushing the $16 million, that brings it down to 97 But assuming that Zadari Smith gets released, Dalvin Cook, whether he gets cut or traded, that's going to add more cap space into 2024. So $28.5 million in dead cap next year, on the surface, it sounds terrible for a guy that's not going to be there. But my goodness, if you're still going to have 90 plus million in cap to spend, I don't give a damn. It's not going to make that much of a difference. My goodness, go ahead and push as much cap as possible down the road or the dead cap anyway. It's, I just... I feel like the Vikings are in a situation as the Chicago Bears right now, except they're not going to suck as bad as the Bears just did last year. Furthermore, I just felt like when that happened, because the Vikings did not need to make that cap maneuvering of 16 mil, they could have signed their run-of-the-mill free agents and their draft picks, and they would have been fine. And I thought that doing that, that the Vikings are preparing to make some sort of big move this year. Byron Murphy, I thought that was it. But now, at, right after I recorded the reaction video yesterday on my YouTube channel, I saw that the deal was two years, about $22 million. And who knows how much of that is incentives. That's still a pretty cheap contract for the Vikings in terms of what they're getting value-wise production on the field from Byron Murphy. They might have one good semi-splash move left in them. So as far as pushing $16 million away, I love it as long as you capitalize on it. You can still make one decent move to say, all right, okay, this is big time for Minnesota. What do you think Kirk is feeling right now, too? Do you think he's just kind of understanding that, all right, they don't want me long term, but I still want to be here? Do you think he's kind of a little irked by this and maybe he indeed wants out? Where do you think Kirk, if you put your, obviously put yourself in Kirk's shoes, where do you think his head's at right now after seeing the void years being tacked on? And no, I mean, they could still work out an extension, but I think the writing on the wall to me says they're not willing to do an extension. He's a businessman. And that aside, I think I want him gone. That aside, I understand the human element of things. What Kirk went through in Washington. RG3 getting hurt. He comes in. Dan Snyder still gushing for RG3 to come back. Clearly, Kirk is the better quarterback. But just being just super indifferent when it comes to Kirk, I think Kirk is dead inside when it comes to stuff like this. I don't know if he necessarily takes things personal anymore because he takes all these hits from the media as well. I don't know. I think if anything... He understands, hopefully anyway, if he exercises self-awareness, that I'm coming to the end of the ropes here for my career. I need to win a ring. I think that's at the forefront of his mind versus anything else. I don't know if he's necessarily taking things personal that why haven't I gotten another contract extension with the Vikings? I think he's fine. And look, he's kind of running out of suitors. 
Like who who would if he has the no trade clause, right? And out and San France. Yeah, San France taking the chance on Sam Darnold. Um I mean, who else could and Miami got a backup obviously in Mike White for Tua. The Bucks just signed Baker Mayfield. I don't really know outside of maybe Green Bay. I don't know what other team like really needs a quarterback and in a situation where he'd say, all right, if they don't love me here, uh, let me weigh my no trade clause. I want to go here. This team can pay me. I think the suitors are so small. And I also think he probably doesn't look at any team and says, all right, I could go play there either. So I think he's just kind of understanding that my best chance to win right now is this year with the Vikings. I can't think off the top of my head any team that's going to give him a shot. Now the Packers, they're going to, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, if not, they're going to run with Jordan Love. And they have a lot of confidence in him. I would say Tampa, but they just signed Baker Mayfield. He's going to compete with Trask for the starting quarterback position. I can't think of a team out there that's in a desperate need for a quarterback right now that feels like they're going to win unless, unless, if Aaron Rodgers just holds thing up or holds things up furthermore than what's already been done, I'm going to go into my cave to get clarity. He came back out. Well, I still don't know. And I'm going to go on the Pat McAfee show. Hopefully he's made his decision, but not even hopefully. I don't give a damn. Do whatever it is that you want to. But the point that I'm making here is say that Aaron Rodgers pulls an about face. and He goes back to Green Bay. The Jets, they're right there. But to your point, if no one else is out there, then you have no choice but to play for the Vikings. But to the benefit of Kirk Cousins, did you see the contract that Daniel Jones got? Yeah. And I I understand that it's four years, $160 million. Really, I believe it's a two-year, $82 million contract. They can cut him after the second year. I understand it. But this dude is still getting over $40 million a year. So if anything, maybe he's embracing this and say, oh, my God, I'm going to get close to $50 million a year in free agency. Bring it on. Yeah, and I, I think the Vikings, too, they, they, there's no point for them to move on. from him. Unless Kirk's camp literally says, I don't want to be here anymore now that you clearly right. don't want to extend me. Well, then that's a completely different story. And then, man, we're going to open up a whole new can of worms of Vikings offseason stuff. Um, I think it's the last season of Kirk and they're going to go look for their guy, that which could still happen in the draft. It could happen, obviously, next year at the draft, too. Um, but I, I think this is the best chance for the Vikings to win, and the best chance for Kirk is Kirk is the starting quarterback for the Vikings in 2023. What happens after that? Very fascinating. I mean, he's going to hit the open market potentially again, basically this time next year, and there's probably going to be a lot of teams that are going to be suitors for him then. Um, but I think it's the best chance for him to remain the Vikings quarterback for this year. Use playing on the last year of your deal. Use that as motivation and fuel Kirk Cousins to go off and audition yourself to the other teams in the league so that way you have all the leverage. Daniel Jones can get 40-plus a year. So can I, plus that. So he'll be fine. Uh, final reset here, and obviously, again, we're recording this at you know before the 3 p.m. window opens where you have to be cap compliant so other caps could be happening. The Harrison Smith, Darius Smith situation still up in the air and at the time of recording this realistic, Randy. But uh, who are some players that you are maybe looking at that the Vikings could potentially target still in free agency? They've made just a couple minor moves, minor moves as in they haven't committed a lot of money to big free agents. Uh, is there anyone that still kind of falls into that category? Is there someone you're waiting on that you'd like to see become a free agent? Is there anyone that you're kind of targeting that you'd like to see Quasey Maybe go after here in the next 48 to 72 hours. I am just hammering the desks. Declan okay. Goff for Isaac Sayamalu. 
All right. Bring this dude in. It, it's it may be tight projected to have a little over twelve million dollars per year annual average value, but bring this guy in. This is going to really boost up your offensive line. And like I was saying before, maybe good guard play can rub off on your center to where after that, all you have to worry about is Ezra Cleveland, best case scenario. But on a smaller scale, as far as only needing to go after one defensive lineman in this upcoming draft, you need two starters. Calais Campbell, he's 37 or he'll be 38 next season, if I'm not mistaken. He's up there in age. This dude can still play for one year. Are you kidding me? He's six foot eight, just wreaking havoc at the line of scrimmage. And I feel like this is something that gets thrown around so often. It's a bit cliche as far as being a leader on the field and being vocal and all this stuff. This is a good man. This is a Walter Payton man of the year award winner. I feel like he can really give a spark to this whole defense, basically be an extension of Brian Brian Flores on the field. And if the price is right, sign me up. But if for some reason, if you can manage to get both of these guys, man, you know what? <laughs> Just pop the champagne. I'll be fine. I know that I know that Darius Slay is the popular. You know what? Let me not go that far. Who would you want the Vikings to go after? So the I, remaining free agents. Yeah, I, I think they should add a wide receiver. I know you can find one in the draft, okay. but I would love to, for them to take a chance on someone. Whether that's DJ Chark, I think that's kind of my top guy. I think that guy's probably going to get paid. Um, so I don't. I, I think maybe after the first wave, maybe cools down and his agency and market kind of maybe calms that he could be brought in. Um, what about Juju Smith-Schuster? Does he do anything for you? Does Juju do anything? No. I, he had a. I think he came out of the league really strong, and then he kind of faded a little bit. But I could see either Juju or maybe DJ Chark. I want them to keep targeting kind of these younger dudes, right? Like getting a Robbie Anderson to me is is not going to do anything for me there. Uh, you know, get Randall Cobb, who apparently has to be on Aaron Rodgers' wish list, thirty two year old receiver, doesn't do anything for me. Can you find someone that's still twenty six, twenty seven? Bring him in again on that two year, maybe three year deal where you can get out after year two and help stretch the field a little bit. I would love to see them bring in another wide receiver to kind of still make this offense go from, hey, it's a eighth to ninth best offense, potentially being a top five offense. I'm leaning towards, not that Jacoby Myers is gone to Vegas, I'm leaning towards the draft. I'm starting to understand or starting to recognize more that having an elite number one receiver, it's very important to have to have a, goodness, a wide receiver too that can really consistently break off on those situations to where the wide receiver one is getting bracketed. You need someone that can consistently win those one-on-one matchups. So for instance, you look at the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill. They got Jalen Waddle on the opposite side. The Eagles, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. With the Bengals, with Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins on the opposite side. The Seahawks, D.K. Metcalf, they have Tyler Lockett on the opposite side. And what we The main complaint with Adam Thielen, even though he's looking for bigger opportunities, dude, you had 107 targets last year. I don't know what there is to complain about. If we're looking at Adam Thielen and saying you're not getting consistent separation, you're not able to win those one-on-one matchups, I don't see that coming from DJ Chark or Juju Smith-Schuster. I would rather go after, if you are in the first round anyway, a Jalen Hyatt 
Zay Flowers, some some receiver that you can have full faith in, even though after Jefferson and Hawkinson, the wide receiver two is basically the third option in this passing game. I feel like you need to have that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate another guard either, That they, to, your, to your point there. Um, I think they need someone else, and they can load up on defense here, and they're gambling that, that to, from our original point from our top four episode that, hey, they're going to gamble that their young defensive backs who basically have none or, or little to no experience are going to step in here and potentially be good players for them. But I think boosting that offensive line and honestly just playing to your strengths, right? You can't, Flores is going to come in here and in theory probably make the defense better than last year. But the defense going from what, Randy, like 30th to top 10 overnight, it's probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. But no. the offense going from 8th or ninth to top 5, is a realistic possibility if you can plug and play just a couple holes that held you back from that uh, achieving that task last season. So whether that's in the draft or still free agency, I think that's a little bit more achievable right now um, for the Vikings to go out and do. I- I'm excited to see what else happens, though, man. I mean, it's been um, it's it's been a fun. This week has always been super fun, but it's been a fun week for the Vikings just trying to see the turnover that's happening and the minor moves they've made thus far. It's been a crazy week so far. I understand that Darius Slay may be the popular choice right now. Yeah. But he's 32 years old at corner, had an elite year last year. I don't know. I'm trying to think of if you're going to sign, and he's going to command a significant amount of money. He's not going to come on an affordable deal like Byron Murphy Jr. did. So if you're going to pay that type of money, I would rather go after a guy like Isaac Samalu, who would be a today's signing, but also for tomorrow. But it's been a great week. I can't wait to see what the Vikings are going to do next. I've been secretly refreshing my phone just to see if they've Did made it any Did moves. It happen? Did it happen? No, nothing's really happening yeah. yet. Um, no. All right, my man. Any other last thoughts here before we wrap up? We'll be back, by the way, next Monday. When Now that everything has kind of been settled a little bit. So for the fans are asking, where the hell is Realistic Randy episode? We were just waiting mm-hmm. for some of the news to drop so our stuff wouldn't get outdated. So you and I will be back next Monday um, for our normal slot. But any other last thoughts before we wrap up? We'll see what the second wave looks like then. But for the most part, mock drafts are back. We can get back into those and really start to speculate and go off. Dude, I'm excited. I'm excited. Hit that subscribe button for uh, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily. We want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.